This is Learned It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love The 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Welcome to Learned It From an 80s Song, where we bring you inspiring stories and insightful conversations from some of the most accomplished individuals of our time. Today, we are honored to have Jason Kosick as our guest. He's a distinguished professional with over 12 years of expertise spanning mineral exploration, mine development, investor relations, and capital markets. With a geology degree from Western University and a master's in earth and energy resources from Queens University, Jason's journey took off as a project geologist at Trelawney Mining and Exploration. Notably, his work continued to the company's acquisition of I Am Gold for a staggering 608 million Canadian dollars in 2012. Since then, Jason has navigated various roles from exploration geologist at I Am Gold Properties and becoming the chief mine geologist at Barker Gold Mines. Intriguingly, Jason's impact extended beyond mining and operations. In fact, in 2019, as vice president of corporate development, he played a pivotal role in the 338 million Canadian dollar sale of Barkerville gold mines to Osisco Gold Royalties. Jason is a true leader and has raised over $400 million for junior mining companies over the past 12 years. Jason's commitment to fostering innovation is evident in his role as a mentor for Creative Destructive Labs, a global startup for seed stage science-based companies. Drawing on his expertise, Jason contributes to an objective-based mentoring process alongside accomplished entrepreneurs, angel investors, economists, and scientists. Now, before this illustrious career in the business world, Jason showcased his tenacity and athleticism on the field as a player for the Edmonton Elks in the Canadian Football League. So get ready to be inspired as we delve into Jason's remarkable journey exploring his triumphs, his challenges, and his invaluable lessons he's learned along the way. So stay tuned for our conversation that goes beyond the surface. Jason, it is so great to have you here today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Patricia. Much appreciated. Yes. And we'll start off with this part of the show. You're coming to, uh, to us from Canada, correct? Yeah, beautiful, gray, rainy Vancouver, British Columbia. 
Very good. Well, if it makes you feel any better in Switzerland, where I'm coming from, it was equally as gray and rainy, maybe not as cold. Like today was probably maybe four Celsius. So it wasn't too bad, but it was definitely gray. So great. Thank you for being here. So this is the part of the show where we have the big reveal as to what song choice we're going to be talking today that resonates with your story. So without further ado, Jason, what is the song that best resonates with the story you're going to share with us today? Can I get a drum roll, please? Jason, what is your song? I have to go with Faith by uh, George Michael. Yes, yes, yes. Amazing song choice. Thank you for bringing that into actually the first podcast of 2024. So with that, I think faith is actually a perfect way to kick it off. So thank you for bringing that in. George Michael. Now, you know, he was formerly with Wham. Faith was actually his first album, his first solo album. So it was actually quite important. And this song that was released, the title track, Faith, from his solo album was in 1987. The release date was It came out October 12th. The single was October 12th, 1987. And then the album later included that, which came out on October 30th of 1987. And this was a chart topper. In fact, it reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States, which I'm quite sure in Canada, it was similar. And it stayed at number one for four consecutive weeks. It also topped the charts in several other countries. The album as a whole won a Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 1989. There were also other songs that were very popular singles like Father Figure, One More Try, Monkey, Kissing a Fool. The Faith album went on to sell over 25 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling albums of the 1980s. So, yes, you brought in a very significant, which, you know, you're a numbers guy uh, on top of being a geologist, so you know that it brought in a huge amount of revenue, which I know you know about. I did a little bit more digging, too, uh, Patricia, and one of the reasons that the name of it was basically because a lot of people thought it wasn't possible. What really resonates with my life story, frankly, is my even my own mother thought I was crazy when I when I left football and said I was going to go run mining companies, and uh, she thought that wasn't really possible. Yes, yeah. So isn't that fascinating that Michael had to have that faith going out on his own from a very successful wham, and then he changed music. I mean. You can't think of the 80s and not think of George Michael and not think of his sunglasses and his jeans and his rhythmic guitar and, you know, all that he brought to the 80s. So, you know, well done. And really, I think this is a great time to hear a little bit about your story. Jason, will you share with us a bit about your life story and how you got here today? Yeah, it wasn't a straight path as I guess most people's lives are. You know, I started off young age, always wanting to be a professional football player, a lot like my father who played eight years in in the CFL. 
was a captain of the Western football team, was drafted in 2009 to the Edmonton Eskimos, they're called, now called the Edmonton Elks. Had a short stint there, had a really bad back injury, had back surgery, and then really had to kind of rebuild myself. I'm quite open about this. I was actually kicked out of university during that time for poor grades. I had to kind of work my way back from the bottom, finish my education, and really go on this new kind of growth trajectory and apply what I learned in football, trying to be the best and use that in a correlation to, you know, being one of the top mining executives and really being an influencer in in changing the way people perceive mining as well, that it can be done in an environmentally and socially sustainable manner. And frankly, our generation thinks the eggs come from the fridge, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And jewelry stores, the gems come from yeah, the jewelry stores, right? Exactly. Yeah. Really yeah. fascinating. So I have a few questions for you. Number one, you know, having to rebuild, like you had said, I was just thinking about you as a get, having that injury and then also then having to, that happened while you were in school, right? You had that injury. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like on a good day, it's hard to sustain academics and extracurriculars and all that. But then what people don't realize is, is the effects of pain on the body. And if your amygdala is hijacked by those synapses in the brain with pain and all of that, then it's like, how can you access the frontal lobe for learning? Like, how can you? I mean, that's not fair. You're playing with a major handicap there, right? So good for you for persevering, which spoiler alert, guess what's in his top strengths? And we'll talk more about that, but like amazing that you you did that. And you, I'm sure based on what I've read of your work, you bring that now, that perseverance and that sustainability as far as in the workplace, you bring all of that um, to the table, which inspires probably so many. You have a, as I understand it, you have a quite a big team. Yeah, we've got a quite a, a big team and a really amazing team here in Vancouver and in Idaho. In, in Nevada as well. Okay, so from football, you know, which was your dream growing up, your dad played football. And so you, it was part of the family, right? It was just kind of ingrained in you from an early age. My question to you is then, what was it like to switch from the football world to business? How, how did you get interested in mining? What was that moment, that defining moment where you're like, this is what I want to do? Actually, a really fun story. There's a, a a course at Western, I was just a typical football player looking for the easiest bird course to squeak by. And they actually called this course Rocks for Jocks. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that was the name. And I'm also dyslexic. So it's very hard for, for me to read and write. And, and But what I was really good at was mineral identification. And during this course of taking Rocks for Jocks, I really got super excited and infatuated with something that I was finally good at in school, a mineral identification, and thinking of big picture concepts of how the earth works and how that feeds into our global economy. And then I could fly around in helicopters and run around in the bush and not wear a suit for a living. Now that that, that changed quite quickly, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I see that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and a lot of credit to my, one of my old professors, Norm Duke at the University of Western Ontario, who really kind of pushed me through some challenging times 
during that period. Yes, yes. Yeah. But how amazing is it that, isn't it true though, like how one person can be that guiding light during that challenging time? And then I wonder, does he know what you're doing today? No, he does. And uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I will. But I actually set up a scholarship in his name to pay for a student to go to school in perpetuity. Oh, uh, nice. So he has that nice memory for him because he's no longer at, he's retired now. So okay. he knows what I'm doing. He, I'm sure he's, he's, he's happy. Oh, that's fantastic. Really, that's yeah. wonderful that you did that. Really nice. So it's so fascinating, though. I just got back from Antarctica and, you know, I appreciated geology, but not like I appreciate it now. I mean, having seen the variants and, and glaciers and ice shelves and God, I hope I say this right, fjords. Yeah. And, you know, seeing all of those, you know, amazing. Oh, and then like all the, oh God, please, this is not my subject. You're finding the subject. I don't know. But um, Caldera, Caldera, right, is the volcanoes. Yeah. yeah so okay. seeing those what were in geothermal, how I could walk into Deception, take a boat into Deception Island and walk on the beach there and see the, the steam coming up from the geothermal uh, activity that was happening underneath the surface. I have to say it was a little, you know, daunting once I realized why the, the sand was hot, you know, like, oh, yeah. this is so fascinating. <laughs> well, it's an active volcano. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it is a volcano. So obviously they would never put us into harm's way. So on Deception Island, but it was really a fascinating thing to see the different rock formations and to see, to really witness it and, and the variants. And now I have such a, just having that exposure, I have so much more interest in it. So it's really fascinating that you're my first podcast of 2024, you know, having, having just been in Antarctica, seeing these incredible sites. So really interesting. It's, it's, it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating place to be in one place I definitely would like to go. Yeah, I highly recommend it. So this is a great time to talk about uh, your Via Strengths. And for those of you who haven't done your Via Strengths, I highly recommend it. You can do it online. It's completely free. And really what it is, is your 24 character strengths. So you have, everyone has 24 character strengths. And your signature strengths are usually your th top three to seven. Now, something that you would like to know about this is it is rooted in positive psychology and it was developed by Seligman and Peterson. Uh, something else to know about it is that it is heavily researched. So I'm going to bring in some data, which I know that Jason will be very excited to hear about, about his strengths. But just know that it is, there are so many studies about the importance of knowing our strengths and using them. So uh, most, most often people aren't even aware of their strengths. And once you're aware of them, you can see how using them in your workplace is important. And you can start noticing it in your teams or in your family members, et cetera, et cetera. So Jason, if you don't mind, I'll mention your top five strengths and I'd love to dive into a few of them. Sounds good. Thank you. So his number one strength is hope. Yes. I know you guys are thinking, I'll just start with number one. Let's start with number one. I'm not going to read all five yet. I'm just going to start with number one because hope is fascinating. And I think you can hear from his story that he had to lean into hope when things were challenging, when he wasn't able to play football anymore, when he changed careers, like all of those things 
that occurred when he was injured and struggled in college, all of those things, he had to have hope to keep moving forward. Now, hope is actually most associated with life satisfaction. So studies show that this particular strength is associated with life satisfaction and happiness. It's also associated with meaning and engagement. So people who have hope in their strengths, they're going to derive more meaning in their work. And and I want to ask you about that in a moment before I get there. There are two types of thinking when it comes to hope. There's agency. So that is the belief that you can keep the energy up to accomplish whatever the goal is. So there's agency thinking. And then there's also pathways thinking. So pathways thinking is where you follow the goals through and you know you're going to get to the end through a variety of different pathways. So you know you're going to get to that end goal, but what pathway is it going to be? You know it's going to eventually lead to that outcome. So because you have that optimism, you have that hope. I'd love to know, how do you continue to use hope in the workplace today? And then also, how you think it got you through those early years? Yeah, you know, how I use it today in the workplace is, frankly, the the mining equity market has not been easy. And when you're building a company, it's certainly not easy. And you have a lot of shareholders that question what you do sometimes. And you got to really have that resiliency and that hope that you're going to get to the other side in the fashion that you want to do that. And, and how you get to the other side is not only having you know, hope and, and, and blind faith that you're going to get there, but is surrounding yourself with a team that's frankly much smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. Well, you're humble. That's really interesting. You also said blind faith and your number two strength is spirituality. And it's also fascinating that you picked faith as your song and that's it. Spirituality is in your signature strengths. Now, what people need to recognize is that spirituality is not, people may feel a connect, they may be religious, but it's not necessarily related to that. It's related to the sense of altruism that we're in this world together and it's beyond us, right? And I wonder, how do you feel spirituality has played a role? You know, I think, one thing I always like to do is just try and do good for as many people as possible. The more people you touch in a positive light, this universe somehow will have this magical way of feeding you what you really want to achieve. And I'm sure science isn't fully there, but there is something bigger that science can't quite quantify that doing more good for more people and the planet is really kind of my kind of spirituality side, I guess you could say. Yes, yes. And I can see that from a geology standpoint as well, because you're bringing in the actual planet, your work, and how to care for it, which we'll get to next. Gratitude is in your top strengths as well. That's a really great strength to have in your signature strengths. It's also, science shows, that it's also associated with happiness and life satisfaction also a meaningful life. So there we are again with that. What's really fascinating is that it's also related to achievement and work is a calling. I wonder, do you see your work as a calling? Yeah, you know, I do. Is People always talk about work-life balance, but it doesn't really feel like work to me. So I'm very grateful to have that. And like I mentioned earlier on, is globally, mining is looked at as such a 
evil industry. But the reality is, is if you can't grow it, you have to mine it. That's just the reality. And one of the things that I always love to do is educate the world globally that mining is a key pillar to our society. And without that, it's like farmers, if they don't farm, well, we don't have food. With, uh, right. Without mining, you can't plug in your Tesla. I'm very grateful for like later on in life, I had mentors like Sean Rusin and Tom Obradovich who kind of showed me the ropes in this business and having a great team around me that believes in the kind of the the goals that we've set in place. And yeah, it's been a fun ride. So I don't really see it as work. So yes, yes. It is. my work is a calling. It's a double-edged sword in the sense that sometimes we can get overly engaged in our work where it's really hard to step away from it, you know, and that can sometimes lead to burnout. But then the other side of it is the side that you were just speaking of, which was just deriving so much meaning in your work that it doesn't feel like work. And you have that purpose that continues to, to drive you and it goes well beyond the dollar, right? It, it is tricky and it is something I have to work on, especially having a partner, if you have a partner in your life to check that work at the door is something I need to work on. Yeah, uh, that, that is for sure. But if you have a partner who is very similar and, and has that calling, it's quite a special thing. It is. It is. Because then it, and I find in partnership, my husband and I, we've had to work on that because we're both very committed to our work to a fault sometimes. And some of our biggest struggles is then once we've taken care of the family and our jobs, that it's like, well, what about each other, you know, <laughs> and our relationship? And I think that that's also, we have a deep understanding about our work ethic with each other, which helps. And I think that that at least we can both call it out when we need to, as far as making shifts when we need to, et cetera, et cetera. I have to say living in Switzerland has been really beneficial for that because the Swiss really understand quality of life you can't go to the grocery store after 7 p.m. or on Sundays. On the weekends, you'll typically see people. On Sundays, you will always see families out for a walk together. You will see them enjoying nature up in the mountains. So, you know, I really, I hope that moving back to the U.S. that we'll continue to uh, adopt some of the things that we've learned here and take it with us. I think it's really important. Yeah, no, I was I was just over in Zurich actually, so I just missed you. But I actually live in Nassau, Bahamas, and we have a lot of those people there, and, and and we get to enjoy the ocean and the beach in very similar similar culture. Oh, really? That's fascinating. That's really interesting. So you find a difference there as well? Oh, totally, totally. Wow, wow, that's great. And I think the more that people start trying to do that, maybe it will catch on. <laughs> maybe it'll be contagious. <laughs> so teamwork is also in your top strengths. You played football, but I have to say that having worked with football players and NFL players, I noticed with them what a team approach they had to everything. They always were checking in with each other and I worked with them in the off season. So they often were from different teams. And I always noticed that camaraderie and that that team atmosphere that they had. And I imagine, did you find that your all of your life of football, do you think that contributes to that being in your strengths? Oh, 100%. And you build a company like you build a football team and, and you're not going to tell an old lineman to go play wide receiver. So everyone has their strong suits and we have to work as one cohesive team. And it's a merit-based system. And, you know, some people like to think 
companies are, are like families and families are built on unconditional love, whereas a business should be built as a professional sports team. It's a performance-based culture. Uh, so yeah, I used the team environment leading Western and being part of Edmonton definitely had a major impact on how we've built companies. Wow. That's such a great analogy that you bring in. I mean, really, that's so fascinating. I had never really thought of it from that perspective. I wonder in building these teams, when you said merit-based, do you mean like kind of like helping them be motivated, external motivation? Yeah, it totally, yeah. because it's, you need your team to be motivated within to achieve with themselves to achieve and believe in a bigger picture and everyone needs to deliver. And that's kind of what I was getting in on, on a merit base. And, you know, if you don't deliver, then you get put on the bench. Right. If you right. don't deliver again, you're going to be put on the practice roster. Right. And <laughs> right. It goes down the line. Yes. And when you're on the bench, which I've, you know, when I played sports, I was on the bench sometimes. For me, it motivated me to want to try harder or learn the skills that I was lacking to get to play more. And I think that in the workplace, it sounds to me like you've developed a team where they can get those, they need skills to be developed. That's something that you guys provide, which is amazing. And it goes for me too. I don't deliver. The, the, the board <laughs> and shareholders are going to have a say about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. It's so interesting. I just love how you brought in the team and really playing your, exactly what you're saying is playing to people's strengths and skills. And then that, when people do work in their strengths, then they do succeed typically. And when they feel really good in the process, I always joke about like, you know, put me in front of Excel spreadsheet and you'll watch me deflate and die. (laughs) So the last one strength I want to talk about, which I thought was really fascinating also was zest. Zest is actually that all in attitude. And I want to talk about this a bit with you because I know from working with athletes that typically they have a really good system in place, meaning they have a good routine, right? And they know what routine is and they know the benefits of having that routine. And also Mm -hmm. that people with zest do have a work is calling again. So that's really fascinating and engagement and meaning in their work. So tell me a little bit, does that all in and having that routine, is that still part of you today? Yeah, I think that's probably one of my biggest strengths and probably my bigness, one of my bigger weaknesses is that there is no middle ground for me. It's 110 or it's nothing. And I like to say, I only got one speed and it's go. (laughs) (laughs) When you're constantly operating and you touched on burnout and you're constantly operating at 110, it's really important important to have your routine so that not only are you mentally fit to play, but physically fit to play. And I think a lot of people forget you need to be in the mental gym just as much as you need to be in the physical gym when people forget that. And so having the discipline to keep a routine to operate like that, because there's a difference between performing and achieving. And for me, it's up at 4.35 o'clock and I get my workout in, I get my meditation in, I do my morning reflections, check on last morning reflections, listen to my podcast or read something. And then the body is ready to come into work and the mind is ready to come into work. And 
it's really important for me to have that in order to operate the way I do. And without that, it's it's tough to do because you will burn out. (laughs) Wow. You know what? That's such a great point that you bring in to have the mind and body ready. Tell me, like, what would you say to our audience? Because I know this is something that a lot of people want to have a routine, but they might not have your zest in their strengths, or they may not have that history of being a football player and having that you would thrive in routine. So my question is like, how would you recommend that they get started? One of the better books I've ever read is Atomic Habits. Yeah, that's a good book. You know, and it's, it starts off with making your bed, literally right away. And uh, some people think I'm crazy because even when I'm in a hotel room, I still make my bed, but it's a part <laughs> of Atomic Habits to get them moving. And just like the laws of physics, once in motion, it's easier to keep it going, right? Mm-hmm. It's when you stop, the, the actual energy to get it moving again is the challenging part. So, you know, start off with little things, whether it's making your bed or going for a 10-minute walk. It's creating that routine that is easy at the beginning, and then you can build on it. Because if you said something too high and you fail, it's starting that again is a lot trickier. Yes. Small, sustainable steps. Yes. I just recently started a PhD program. So part of our my new routine is I do morning pages from the artist way. And I just, I write for 30 minutes every morning. So my routines can shift. So now it's before I even look at my email, before I even do anything at all besides make coffee. Always coffee is first. And so I'm on day four. So, I, but I, it's like one of those things where I, I tick the box and I'm doing it. I'm like, I'm just committed. And hopefully by the time this podcast air, I'll be on day 10. So <laughs> I'll keep moving forward. But yeah, it is hard to get uh, started, but I think you're absolutely right in talking about small, sustainable steps. Start small and add on from there. Great yeah, advice. You know, if you miss a day, it's not the end of the world. It's the 70-30 rule or 80-20 rule. You know, you're not perfect. Perfection is frankly boring. Yes. Uh, But 80%. Very good. Very good. This has been so fascinating. Oh, one last thing I wanted to talk about. I want to go back to teamwork. What was fascinating for me about teamwork, and this we can talk a little bit about what your work a little bit more before we wrap up. What I noticed about teamwork was it was associated with sustainable behaviors. So what that means is not just sustainability of the planet, but also social sustainability, which you do managing your team, for instance, your large team. So my question to you was, in your workplace, how does that play in that care for the world? I think we have to look at uh, what we do as, as as a mining company and look at the entire ecosystem of the people that is involved in building sustainable relationships with local communities, with the local tribes, so that when we are gone, because mining, frankly, isn't sustainable, it doesn't meet the definition, it's a finite resource that you're looking at, is that that when we leave, and we eventually will leave, that that community and that environment is better off. Got it both from from a financial perspective, but from also an environmental perspective. We're looking at reclaiming an old mine site and and we clean everything up and restore back to better how how it was when we 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 got got there. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important. And 
unfortunately, there's been some bad actors in our industry years ago, probably before I was born, that didn't really have that same mentality. So I think that it's that kind of approach that our team does such a great job uh, of doing. Really amazing that you bring that up. And we learn from the mistakes of the past. And I think that that's a really amazing that you've taken that and made that part of your mission. So, and that you leave the place better than when you got there. So that's, I mean, that's all we can ask, I think, in the world and, and for ourselves, even as human beings. It's like, what difference can we make? And how do we leave the place better than when we got here? You know? Yeah. I encourage any of your listeners to go look at what a reclaimed mindset looks like because there's one actually just north of here in Whistler that people paddleboard on and fish on the lake, and it's the, actually an old mining site. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. so fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing this today. And if people want to learn more about the mining industry in particular, where would you tell them to go? I think there's a lot of kind of podcasts like Newmon or Barrick. They put kind of podcasts on in little kind of video clips explaining all the stages of mining. You can reach out directly to me. I think I don't even know what my LinkedIn is, but you can we'll Google it. me, Jason Cossack, and, and it's, I, I will pop up. So there's a lot of things uh, like that. And I think it's also important people need to understand that mining encompasses a lot of things. It's marketing, it's accounting, it's engineering, it's environmental, it's legal, it's covers a lot of industries and, and it's quite a dynamic industry that really wow. is the backbone of our society. Yes. Really, really interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. So before we wrap up here, last question is, you know, even though I know you were just a baby in the eighties, my question is to you, do you have any recollections of 80s trends or things from the 80s that you might vaguely remember? Yeah, you know, I, I remember, as we discussed earlier, Patricia was running around in my dad's old, super baggy old football jerseys. And you look at, I remember watching games when he was playing and like just the equipment and the jerseys and the shoes to compare to what it's like today. That was pretty much only my memory because I was you know, born in 87. So. Uh, I don't have much. No, no, no. <laughs> but that's really, really, that's interesting that that's one of your first recollections and a special one for sure. And that was the legacy, right? That's when then you carried on, you know, already. I think the, one of the biggest things that, that, that people don't think about, and, and it can hurt a lot of people, uh, and I, I've seen it firsthand, and I, and I try to give talks on this, is as a football player, you're constantly getting externally validated good job, good play, keep going, and, and everyone's cheering you on. And, you know, then you constantly go out for external validation. And when you switch to the business side, there's no more cheering you on. And it really has to come from within, from that internal validation. And switching that is probably one of the most important things that, that I've learned. And, and, and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But I think that's one of the ones that, that really, really, really get people. And that's why you see pro athletes driving around in Maseratis and Lamborghinis it's, it's in big jewelry. And it's for that external validation constantly. Yes, yes, yes. To continue to get that. No, that's a great, that's a great point. And I think that's something that I've actually struggled with quite a bit because, you know, both being a mom, not much extrinsic 
a motivation happening as a mom. And so I have to find it from within sometimes to keep pushing forward. But then also the careers that I've had oftentimes, especially when I was training like fitness training and training athletes, I usually got like, that was great. Thank you so much. You helped me so much. Like I got that accolade, that thank you. And now being a student and now being an entrepreneur, trying to keep motivated without any extrinsic, without somebody telling me I'm doing a good job today, but it has to come from with me. And I think that something that I've been thinking a lot about and reflecting a lot about is why I'm doing it. What is my meaning and my purpose, right? Thank you so much, Jason, for being with us today. And in the show notes, you'll know how to connect to Jason through LinkedIn. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.